0: Everything she does is magic. That's great for Leslie. Quick question for you before we get to the Hall of Famer, the beautiful Leslie Viscoe, who I love dearly. My wife Danielle loves her too. What player spent his first three years in Golden State then ended up getting traded to the Boston Celtics as we get ready for the Warriors and the Celtics later on tonight where he became a mainstay along guys like Larry Bird, Kevin McHale, and others? Want to take a guess at this? uh, I,
2: I got it. Who is it? I know it.
0: Who? Chief. That's right. Robert Parrish. Exactly right. Parish got dealt to Boston. Mikel got drafted. Joe love, Barry Carroll went to Golden State. Love Robert
2: Parrish. Yeah,
0: Ooh. he was cool. He didn't say much, and uh, but he was perfect for that team. And uh, talking about, of course, the Boston Celtics, this little girl from Quincy, Massachusetts, who used to dress... As Sam Jones, on Halloween, when other little girls were dressed as Mary Poppins, they say, uh, she has gone on to have an unbelievable career, inspiring so many young ladies that I know, people like Amber Wilson, Joy Taylor, uh, thousands of others, even our in-house counsel here at the station, Red Apple, Emily Pankow. Every woman and man loves Leslie Visser. What a phenomenal career. And highlighted last week, by getting a Lifetime Achievement Emmy Award, this after becoming the female, first female to make it to the Pro Football Hall of Fame back in 2006. With all that said, here she is, the exceptional Leslie Visser. Good morning, Leslie. How are
1: you? Oh, God. Hi, guys. Thanks for that. couple things on Robert Parrish. Do you know that when Bill Walton went to the Celtics, which he said he got out of Clipper Jail in uh, 86, which um, arguably the greatest... <laughs> NBA team ever not just because I'm a native Bostonian but the first thing he did was go to the Chiefs house because he said that he wanted Robert to know he was there as a teammate he was not there to replace him and when Parrish went into the Hall of Fame he had Bill Walton as his presenter. Wow how
0: about that yeah he was one of his uh, backups there so we'll get into the Celtics Warriors series uh, later during this conversation but again uh, I contacted you. We spoke uh, on Monday on the holiday. It was a great conversation. Danielle jumped on the phone, too, to talk about this award you received last week, this Lifetime Achievement Emmy Award, which is a huge, huge honor, along with your Hall of Fame stuff. Tell uh, tell Bernie, the listeners, uh, about this uh, award you received last week and uh, how much it meant to you. Oh, thanks for
1: asking. Um... It's really enormous. For me, it's the equivalent of, of going into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Totally unexpected. Uh, when I went into Canton, John Madden wrote me a letter, and he said, the Hall of Fame, you can't be born into it. You can't buy your way into it. You have to earn it. Hmm. And this was so shocking to me. Sean McManus, as you know, our chairman of sports at CBS. he yep. know him well. He called to, yeah, great guy. And he called to tell me, And the interesting thing is they don't give it out every year, but his father won the first one, Jim McKay. And all the winners of this, all the men who've won it before, they're just what we all love. They're storytellers. It's Jim McKay and Kirk Gowdy, who I grew up listening to call Red Sox games on my cheap transistor. And it's Jack Whitaker and Dick Enberg and Bern Lundquist. So it was really overwhelming to me and the most wonderful memory i'll ever have is at the end of it my speech my thank yous i said that you know i'm the first woman but i won't be the last and so i asked all the women in the business whether you've worked with me or not to stand and let's celebrate each other
0: oh that is beautiful
2: that is really beautiful (laughs) leslie nobody deserves it really more than you Uh, you are a legend and icon in the business and congratulations on it Uh, So, Leslie, listen, let's – Sid alluded to it. I'm into it big time. I love the series. Uh, I mean, I love watching the Celtics throughout the playoffs. And uh, so, uh, 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 aside from being a Bostonian, the Celtics are going to be tired. The Warriors have been rested, -rested. Uh, well-rested. But I think the Celtics are more, as Bill Bill O'Reilly just used the word, motivated. I think they're motivated. They're scrappy. They're tough. I think they're going to take uh, take the Warriors and beat them in the in this series in, in 7 games. What do you think?
1: Well, the 7th game would be out there, but the Celtics don't care about
2: <laughs> No, they don't. They win, yeah. Yep.
1: So- they win them but it's uh it's just a beautiful matchup because the celtics defense is is going to go down as one of the great defenses in the history of the nba and they do all that switching you know their problem will be if the warriors can slip past all the defensive switching but i really think they're built to beat the warriors uh you know if it becomes a deep game then clearly you know, Steph out there. Remember when Hank Stram used to say, we'll be throwing coming off the bus? <laughs> yes. That's, what I, feel. That's uh-huh. what I feel about Steph. It's like he, he must get dressed in the locker room and then he walks out and shoots it. But uh, <laughs> I really, I think, um, you know, I, I think Poole's defense for them is great. Um, I mean, his offense is great, but defense is not so great. And the Celtics, I think every single Celtics got at least one vote for Defensive Player of the Year, which is saying something. Uh,
0: No, they are. They're a great defensive club. But like I told you on the phone a couple days ago, this is not our grandfather's Celtic team. I'm sorry. But any one of those bird teams, certainly the Bill Russell teams, they beat this team by 40. So uh, the NBA has changed quite a bit. They are very good defensively. They've got a shot at winning like Bernie talks about. But this is not the NBA I grew up and loved not that many years ago. But I want to move on. Uh, about a month and a half ago. Right, I, have
1: to tell you, yeah. I have to tell you one thing about the way it's changed. Yeah. Because the, um, my first television assignment for CBS, can you imagine this, was the iconic Celtic-Lakers series in 84. Yes. I mean, I, I covered it all for the Globe, but that was my first TV. And to, just to show, when people say, well, really, how is the NBA different? I always say, well, after game three in the forum of that series, that's when the Celtics were terrible and Bird said, we're playing like sissies. And they went back to the garden and that's where McHale clotheslined Yes And do you know, I mean, now you'd be out of the league, right? right. I mean, Rambis' <laughs> yeah, right. legs were facing up the, up at the net and that was a two-shot foul.
0: Yeah. <laughs> no, uh, listen, listen. Those days, uh, the, the Knicks would play the Pistons to be 84-82. Now you got that scored at halftime, a lot of these NBA games. So it, it has changed quite a bit. The Celtics are kind of a throwback because they do play defense. But about six weeks ago i went to a dinner uh john katsimatidis my boss uh the great john katsimatidis invited me yeah, to this chip. Yeah. yep and uh, they honored you that night tim mccarthy a dear friend of ours old espn guy and and um uh, who else was there that night that uh chris oliveira was there WFAN obviously and a few others but the long story short they honored you that night too so you've been uh, honored quite a bit And you told a great story about the red sox where you included former yankee great bobby mercer And for some reason, that story was my favorite that night.
1: Well, that was with um, uh, I have a podcast like everybody. I hope you guys come on someday. And um, I had I wanted I always wanted to talk to David Duchovny, the actor, because he wrote a book called Bucky Effing Dent. Right. Which, by the way, which, by the
0: way, he was on our show with me and Bernie talking about that book.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, then you guys know the whole thing. But I thought he was a Red Sox fan when I saw the title of the book. And it turns out he thinks the Red Sox are a joke. He hates the (laughs) Red Sox. And he actually on the podcast, he said he thought Fenway was a little league park and they shouldn't be allowed to hold World Series there. (laughs) I couldn't believe it. And then he said, but he comes by his passion, honestly, because as you know, many people now don't know that the Yankees really were not good there for a long stretch. And so he said his idol as a kid was Bobby Mercer. And I thought, well, all right, you've got to give him some credibility.
0: That's great
2: story. So, listen, Leslie, uh, the New York Rangers, I mean, uh, we're here in New York. They won last night. Uh, again, talk about a scrappy, motivated team. we here feel in, in New York that they're going to take this Stanley Cup? Because, uh, well, it's destiny, it's fate. The way you feel about the Boston Celtics, we feel about the Rangers. What does Leslie Visser say?
1: I think it's amazing because, if I recall, didn't they almost lose? Weren't they struggling in the first round? Like yeah, they were down. down they were down oh, three yeah. games
0: to one. Yeah.
1: Yeah, Yeah. and I mean, here they are, and last night they looked like playing a JV team against the best goaltender Ah, that they faced. So, no, I think, and, you know, I'm I'm really, well, part of, I think part of my success has been the blessing of being born in Boston. My childhood was Ted Williams, Bill Russell, and number four, Bobby Orr. So, it's like, I, I mean, I don't know how you can be born to that, and then, of course, I, I always say about left field in Fenway, it's like a land grant. And, you know, then Williams gave it to Yaz. Uh, and it's so, um, I don't know, It's a, it was just a, a privilege. But hockey in person, I don't you think it's the best sport in person? It is. Person?
0: It is in person. And Bobby Orr, of course, still that picture is so iconic of him, of course, being body over the ice. But what's funny about that is you talk about as a kid, Bill Russell, Ted Williams, to call Bobby Orr. And, of course, there were no very good New England Patriots. They lost that Super Bowl with Steve Grogan and Eason to the Bears. They got blown out. Ray Berry, of course, was the coach. But the greatest of all came later in Boston. He's now in Tampa Bay and about to get $400 million to be an announcer. And that's Tom Brady. So when you were a kid, you couldn't even appreciate Patriots football. And he comes on and, at least arguably, including Bill Russell, becomes the greatest player ever to play a sport in the city of Boston.
1: Oh, yeah. You know what? That's interesting. Uh, Well, number one, I covered all of Brady, so he wasn't, I I mean, I covered all those Patriots. The the Boston Globe made me the first woman to cover the NFL as a beat, and it was the 76, patri- uh, 76 Patriots when, of course, it was Ben Wright on that terrible call, roughing the passer against the Oakland Raiders, yep. uh, against Stabler. And it was funny because I traveled John Madden's bus with him for years. And we would both get purple arguing about that. Like, for him, of course, you could never mention the Immaculate Reception. But in 76, that was ridiculous when they said that uh, Sugar Bear Hamilton roughed Stabler. But, um, it was, the Patriots were a joke when I was little. You know, they, they were AFL. They kept moving. They played in Fenway. They played at Harvard. They played at Boston College. So really, when I grew up, we got the giant broadcast. We got Aldi Regatta's. Uh, and so a lot of older people now passed away, um, were giant fans. But, um, yeah, I remember in 86, that game, uh, it should have been Grogan starting instead of Eason. And Eason got one look at Mike Singletary.
0: <laughs> yeah, that, that was it. <laughs> <laughs>
1: that was it. He went yeah. into a field position, Yeah,
0: I you think he oh, went 0 for 6. And what's funny about that game was, for the longest time, that was the quickest score in Super Bowl history because the Patriots got an early field goal from Tony Franklin, right. but then the Bears went right. on to score like 46 unanswered points, and that, that was the end of me that. Of,
1: remember when Devin Hester returned the yes. kickoff in the rain? I was in that, was that game. Prince. I was there.
0: That was in Miami against Peyton Manning and the Colts, yes. and Prince yes, performed halftime.
1: And he sang Purple Rain in the rain. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it was, um, but Brady, you can... Yes, you can make the argument, except Bill Russell, I believe, is the greatest champion, right? Eleven rings. He has more rings than fingers, back-to-back titles at San Francisco and Olympic gold. So I think Bill Russell is the greatest champion in American history.
2: Well, speaking of champions, Leslie Visser, you yourself, uh, you broke a lot of glass ceilings, a lot of women in sports these days, in sports uh, media, but uh, back in the day, not so much. Uh, What was it like for you, I mean? It, was it difficult? Did you really meet with some opposition? Uh, you know, tell us about that.
1: Oh, yeah. I, I have some well-earned scar tissue. I was I was really um, – I had an attitude of gratitude, so I, I just couldn't believe I'd wanted to be a sports writer since I was 10 when the job didn't exist for women. So I, I was so appreciative. But, um, yeah, there, there were no provisions for equality. So my first five years, I think, covering – Uh, the NFL, I had to do all the interviews in the parking lots. So it would be like, John Madden used to tell me I was caught in a two way go. You know, that's where a defender decides, (laughs) defensive back, you know, which way do I go here? So I would either have to say, oh, should I get Terry Bradshaw getting on the bus, uh, from the parking lot after, you know, the game and all the interviews in the locker room, or do I go over there to Steve Grogan who lost the game, but I write for the Boston globe. So maybe the Patriots hmm. fans want to read about that. So it was, and, and I had, um, I understood that it was new to all of them too, but I remember once Dale Murphy, uh, he made me the bad guy because at a, after a playoff game, Dale Murphy said, if she comes in the clubhouse, I won't talk to anyone.
0: Wow. Really, Dale what? Murphy, the former yeah. Atlanta Brave, a two-time MVP. That's not cool. He's
1: a great guy. People loved him. He just didn't think women belonged in the uh, locker room.
0: Yeah, he's a Mormon, so. by the way. He does a lot of traveling yeah. on missions and stuff. So, yeah. Yes. I mean, I mean, I really guess you, 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 you look really at the one that uh, kind of broke all that. Uh, Leslie was uh, here in New York, the Daily News. Lisa Olson, who once walked into a Giants locker room, saw a naked Zeke Mowat, and all hell broke loose.
1: Well, that was actually, and that was in the 90s. Like, I'd already been covering the NFL for 15 years. That right. was the Patriots against, um, and that's where Victor Kiam called her, the B word. Right. And she really was, she was just doing her job. And ironically, I had always gotten along with Zeke, and it was just a really terrible combination of events. But, um you know, I'm grateful now that the locker room, people just understand it's the place of business. It's nothing now. Nobody goes in there. You know, I mean, you guys know it's not Chippendales. It's a <laughs> store. I really want to go home. Uh-huh. Wait, before I, I have to ask you, do you guys know when you, if you look up McGurk and all of history, do you know who the most famous McGurk, the number one person who comes up?
2: Um, uh, Negative, no. I'm going to say Bernie. I'm going to say him.
1: Yeah! You Get out of town. Me? Is come that right? On. I mean, wow! Come on.
2: That's big. That uh, is big. That that is uh, pathetic. But I got to check that out myself. That's very <laughs> well. Interesting. That is, that's
0: it's better than me. Is. When when you put Rosenberg in, my aunt and uncle Julius and Ethel come up first.
1: <laughs> uh-huh. that, that is no, that that is. Well, what about your? Oh, your cousin isn't Rosenberg, right? The mayor or the governor?
0: No, he, of that's, yeah, Coleman. That's Norm Coleman oh. in Minnesota. Yes, he, right, he right, was both. Right. He, he was the mayor of St. Paul and the senator from the great state of Minnesota. We uh, listen. I love you. I called Jeff DeForest. I said, put me in touch with Leslie because I have to congratulate her on this on this epic award last week. And it's great having you on the show. Me and Bernie both love you to pieces. Uh, you're the nicest and smartest lady in the history of media so congratulations to you it could not happen to a nicer person yes indeed
1: i love you guys will you call me again
0: (laughs) yes we will we promise thank you leslie congratulations i
1: love you too we love you too
0: the great leslie Visser, hall of famer and just last week received the emmy award lifetime achievement award no more decorated woman in the history of media and sports than the great leslie Visser.